Welcome to A Walk in My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, McKinney Smith. Hey, Faith Walkers. Thank you for joining us today on the A Walk in My Stilettos podcast, where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but as a mindset coach, what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today's guest, her name is Lestar Sneed, and she's a single mother of three. She's currently conditioning to be the next gold medalist in the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing. She is one of three African-American women in the world competing in the Winter Olympic Games in the category of speed skating on ice for short track. So please welcome to the show, Lestar. Hello, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you once again for agreeing to come on and share your testimony with us. You have no idea how much this means. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Very humble to be a part of this. Thank you. I love to start the show with an icebreaker question just to get things open because I feel like as women, we have all these different titles that we go by, but a title that I feel holds a lot of weight, which isn't given enough recognition is our name. And I usually ask women what their name means. And I usually like to Google it ahead of time, but I I want you to give us the backstory if you know how your name was chosen. That's funny because everybody always thinks is fake or not real and I have to like pull off my driver's license or, you know <laughs> so I actually asked my mom not that long ago why did you name me this because everybody keeps asking me about it it was very simple and pretty short it was just she, it's like I knew you were going to be a star so mm. I named you that and then all my other sisters their middle name starts with an L so it's kind of like she gave us all L's and she didn't really say why about the L's but then the, the little star she that's what she said I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. I love it. Thanks, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) So I like to get into a bit of the backstory before we get to where you are currently. Let's start with where you wanted to be when you were a little girl. Like, what did you want to be? This is a funny question because a lot of people look at me a little sideways. My number one goal and my dream, oh my goodness, every time I closed my eyes was to be a wife and married Mm -hmm. because I saw my grandparents up until the time my grandmother passed, which was in 2012. And then my grandfather passed two years later, or it might've been three. I can't remember exactly two or three years later because of heartbreak. They were married 60 years, 60, six zero Wow. And never once did I see my grandfather. I spent a lot of time with him. I was with him almost every day where my grandmother was like, you got to go back home so your mother doesn't feel abandoned. I'm like, no, I love you. You know, I'm just very close bond with my grandparents. Uh, my, mm. my grandfather was like my father to me, taught me everything I knew about multiplication tables. Um, I never did drugs, stayed a virgin until I was married because of them, what they instilled inside of me. So wow. it was truly a blessing. Um, but that was my goal, seeing that. I was like, wow. God, I, I, at seven years old, I started praying to God for a husband. Wow. crazy because, you know, you're, you're a baby. You don't know nothing about marriage, about sex, about none, none of those things. But I just knew I wanted that because I thought it was beautiful. And then as I grew up, I was like, wow, marriage is really something connected to the Most High God because, mm-hmm. you know, a man and woman just, it represents, you know, just that power and how a baby can come forth and the world is just all so spiritual. I was like, wow, I want this. So that was my number one goal and dream, to be honest. And, wow. and transparent was just to be a wife and be submissive. A lot of people don't like that word. Sometimes it's damaging or sometimes abuse is involved because of that which Mm -hmm. did happen to me later on in life, but I wanted to be so submissive and I wanted to just love and be loved and honor and, you know, let the the man be the head. Like, that's what I wanted. That was my dream. First and foremost, my condolences about your grandparents. I actually got chills the second you said that um, your grandmother passed away in 2012 because that's when my sister passed away. And that kind of shifted my entire perspective on life. And my grandmother passed away almost a year later. But second, I wanted to speak to the relationship between your grandparents being married for 60 years. Like, it's almost unheard of today to hear stuff like that. Yes, it is. It is painful for me, actually, because this generation is so different. 
very you break up within a, a second. Cheat. Everybody's cheating. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody got multiple side chicks, and, and no one's good enough anymore. Because if you look at Instagram, everybody's perfect looking. Nobody has struggles. Everybody's mm-hmm. surgery is just so much different. But like the real love is just gone. Unfortunately, it seems in this society. But the yeah, value of the I covenant saw, of marriage. Yes, the covenant, mm-hmm. the agreement. I love mm-hmm. that word. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's not there, but I would cry even when I was little because I thought, and I would tell my grandparents, you guys are just so beautiful. I look up to you. Like, I don't have a, a famous person or anybody I want to be like, but I want to be like you guys. Mm-hmm. I want a husband like, you know, I would call him Bampa and Gamma. I want that, you know, my husband would be like Bampa because he never has yelled at you. And I would ask her, has he ever yelled at you even when I, I guess when I wasn't born? And she's like, actually, no. She said, I did the yelling. I had the attitude. <laughs> But he would just laugh it off and be like, oh, honey, and give me a kiss and, you know, I'll melt. Or wow. And I I'm like, that. how, how, right? I'm like, just how is that possible? His spirit was so kind and so gentle. He was so giving. Like, for example, we had ice cream trucks in Los Angeles when I was little, and the, there would be children don't have money. He'll buy them whatever they wanted at the ice cream truck. Just the most givingest, uh, just the word man I, I ever met. And I was like, wow, I want that. I want that kind of man in my life. And even my mom told me he's never yelled at her when she was a child ever, or my or her, or my aunt, which is his sister. Wow. I'm like, this man is just so rare. Like, he, no one's perfect, and I'm not trying to give that persona, but just in that area of, mm-hmm. of anger, he was very. Uh, if I could give uh, someone an example, like had multiple fruits of the spirit. Wow, just very, very, just so real. That is so beautiful. I mean, it you is. mentioned how you're grandparents were even before you were born so I actually want to touch on you know you were born two months early can you share what you actually had to survive before you were even born yes my mother shares this open with me now and with and she shares with other people and tells me please share because it's a testimony for a lot of people my mother when I was in her um, she told me she was on heavy heavy drugs and I was supposed to be a twin but she passed because of the drugs my mother was doing. And um, my mom said she did not know she was pregnant with me or my twin sister. And she said it was all purpose by design because God made it that way. Because if she would have known she was pregnant, this is what she told me, that she would have aborted us within wow. that same day. So she didn't want, she said she did not want children. And she enjoyed the way she was living at the time, which was being a drug addict and, you know, doing those things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, okay. So Addiction is a heavy loved, thing. Yeah. And she said she mm-hmm. loved it and she had no intentions of ever giving it up. I was like, wow, that's pretty deep. And I, I don't know that life of mm-hmm. about drugs because I've never, thankfully, never did drugs, never smoked, never, I don't drink, none of that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which is a blessing because my dad explained to me, he studies behavior for a living. He's a doctor of psychology and he explained about addictions and behaviors. He said, because of what is kind of, I guess you say, in your blood and mm-hmm. what happened with your mother and the way you were born, if you were to get on drugs, it would be worse than her because of how you, you know, how you came into the world. And it's just kind of like a, it's a spiritual thing. And also, I guess, a, like a DNA type thing. And I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. a blessing in itself that I'm not into that, you know? So I'm like, wow, thank you, God, because I could have been, because Unfortunately, my sisters, they, they did get on drugs, and she was also on drugs with them when they were born, So, and it wow. was very, very bad for them. So basically, she told me she was on drugs, and she found out she was pregnant because one day she was using the restroom, and a, this chunk of stuff, she said, came out. She had no clue what it was. She didn't really have pains or anything, but she's like, what the heck? And you know, she said she's high, so she's really not thinking anything to it, but she was like, maybe I should go to the doctor. And then they did a, you know, a test and everything. They're like, wow, you just basically lost a baby. She's like, what? A baby? Wow. She said, I'm, I'm not even showing. She said, no. And I have a period every month. She said, she, you know, she cursed at the doctor like, F you, ain't no baby. She's like, like, no, ma'am, you lost a, a twin, actually. There's still a, another baby in there. She said at that point, she screamed at the top of her lungs and almost like yelled at God, like, I hate you. Wow. Why would you do that to me, God? Like, I was like, wow, that sounds like some kind of movie or something. Mm-hmm. And um, she said, so basically, God hid us because he knew she would have got abortion. And she said, this sounds like a lie, but right after she found out she was pregnant, boom, her stomach showed. And she said it was so supernatural because that that's unheard of. How do you just start showing, like, in one day? 
she said she, almost like God hid it from her. How many months along was she? Uh, six. Yeah, the six months is when she found out about us. She didn't know. She said she had no cravings. She didn't feel sick, didn't feel sleepy. She had no kind of symptoms whatsoever. And then she said, again, it could have been blocked because of the drugs. It could have mm-hmm. been numbing certain areas in her body and her brain that normally when a woman's pregnant, what happens, you know, those the different transitions and hormones in your body. Mm-hmm. So she uh, found out she lost a twin and she said she didn't, that didn't stop her from the drugs. She didn't care. She said she had her conversation with God, yelled at him, was angry, hated him. And I was like, fine. And then she said, one day she was watching soap opera, sitting on the floor, and I was born. She delivered me herself because nobody was there. And she said, I came out. I wasn't crying. She said, but I looked her in the eyes. And she said she felt a peace come over her and a very spiritual situation happen. Like, oh, my gosh, my life is about to change and everything is going to be all right. And she broke down crying. I was like, wow. Wow. And my grandfather came from downstairs because we had all lived in the same apartment building, which was really cool because that's how I was spending the night every day when I got um, older and then, the, you know, the ambulance came and then I got transferred to the hospital. So basically, you know, they do the test after, you know, you give birth, but it was kind of different because she didn't give birth in the hospital. So they had to do a separate set of tests. So then that, that set of doctors found out, oh my goodness, you have drugs in your system. The baby has some drugs in the system. So ma'am, we're going to have to take this child away. Like, you know, like a DCFS thing. Wow. So they were preparing to take me away, put me in foster care. And my grandparents both end up rushing there and having a conversation like, no, as long as we have living breath in our body, we will not allow our baby to go to foster care. We will raise her and take her in until you guys and the police allow her to go back with her mother. So the first three months of my life, I was with my grandparents. Wow. They had to raise me because my mom couldn't have any contact or anything with me because of, you know, those laws. When mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the same now, but when you do drugs and stuff. Wow. Like you've had so many adversities to deal with before you were even born. So. Yeah. It's still <sighs> shocking to me to this day. Like, wow, you, it could have been my twin that survived, but for whatever reason, Lord, you, you decided to have me here. I'm not quite sure what it is, but you know, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done kind of feeling. You definitely have a job here to do on earth. And the reason that we connected was through a post on Instagram where you were transparently sharing some of the adversities that you've gone through. And through it all, you're currently training seven days a week for the Winter Olympic Games in 2022. So can you share how that part of your journey began? Um, Well, that I actually crossed over from the background of track and field and I stopped running like the way I was because I was training back then multiple times a day, just like really like just wow. But I was in a very, very, very bad near death domestic violence relationship, which to let you know the listeners know, I do take responsibility because I kid you not, God gave me dreams he even had sent people who feel that they're called to be prophets to to give me warnings like straight biblical type stuff like it was crazy and my dream was so on point that every single detail in my dream happened in real life wow it was like god screaming do not do this do not go if you do this is what's going to happen to you so like i said i take responsibility and i'm not playing a victim or anything because he did try to protect me did try to warn me and a lot of times in life we all get red flags with many things in life whatever it is any area we just don't listen because we, we ignore intuition love. right we want love so bad or we want a friend or a wife or a husband whatever it may be a child and we just we end up paying the price but then later on that mess turned into a message and that test turned into a testimony and so forth so i stopped running track it, when I was in a very a very bad abusive relationship, it was in 2015 and 16. So I was like, okay, I, I'm done. I don't want to deal with this because when I was getting beat every day and choked out and, you know, burned with cigarettes for me. Oh, man, I'm so bit, sorry to hear that. Yeah, and bit on my nose and, to my, and my veins blowing up, just all kind of things. I just don't want anything to do, you know, do this because I was fighting for something. I was like, let me just find another sport. So one day I'm fast forward. um skating like you know in a roller rink with you know how you four wheel skates and I'm just going fast like over and over and over and people are looking at me like what is wrong with this girl we're up here dancing having fun she's just going so fast like and then so many people came up afterwards to me like who are you and I was like huh <laughs> uh I'm just you know a person in your state and like no 
we've never seen this before. Nobody just skates that fast and they're not like professional. I was like, no, I'm not. And they're like, oh, we don't believe you. We know you're lying. You think you're just being <laughs> humble and you probably roller derby player. And I was like, I don't even know what roller derby is. <laughs> and then so uh, fast forward from that day, I saw the Olympic, the Winter Olympics on TV. I saw the speed skating and I'm like, I got chills in my whole entire body. I said, what is this beautiful looking sport? I was like, what is this? I said, they're on skates and they're on ice. What is this? So I thought about how people used to, you know, come to me after I would skate in a skating rink. And I was like, maybe somehow I can put two and two together and just get the training for the ice since I already got the background for track, the background for that type of skating and figure out a way. So I contact the, the Olympic coach on Instagram and you know how you can see somebody say, it says seen, yep. but you know, I didn't get a reply and then time passed by and I think it was an entire year and I looked and I said, dang, he didn't say nothing. So I, you know, I'm emotional and I'm hurt. And then I replied back. I was like, so I see it's been like all this time has passed. So I even said one word to me. So I'm going to do this with or without your help. Cause of course I don't know anything about this sport. I don't know where to go, but I'm I'm determined because I want to be the first to do what I'm planning to do in history. And the next thing you know, I get a message. And I'm like, oh, well, well, well. <laughs> and he's like, well, hello there. Hi, nice to meet you. And I'm like, oh, God, finally. So mm-hmm. then he gives me the information and coaches out here. They did invite me to move to Utah, which is where most of the Olympians train and live because of the Olympic Center for the skaters, for the speed skaters, for long track and short track. And I was like, well, I would love to jump on that opportunity and that train, but the way my life is set up, I cannot, because I'm a single mother of three, and I cannot just up and leave like that. Because mm-hmm. one of my children, my baby, I allowed his father to have joint custody because I don't agree with, no matter what has happened, if, you know, the, unless the guy's abusive or on drugs, if it's not that, then he shouldn't, you know, his right. child shouldn't be kept away just because you guys didn't work. So right. I was like, I want him to have a relationship with his father. He'd get him on the weekends and the, the stipulations that I just have to stay, you know, out here in Los Angeles, which is fine. So that's a, another, another big reason why I can't just up and leave, you know, mm-hmm. like that. So basically that's what happened. And then that's how it all started. Wow. Like, I think when I first saw your story, you were training like six days a week. Now you're up to seven. Yes. So what's one thing most people don't know about Lestar? Again, this is about transparency. Um, I'm very, very goofy. Oh my gosh! Like <laughs> work, I post videos. You know, a lot of a lot of messages, inboxes from how it uplifts people, and I'm shocked. I'm very goofy and silly. But even though I'm goofy and silly, and I stay away from you know substances like drinking, smoking, and drugs, and I don't do that, I still deal with a lot of brokenness, a lot of abandonment and neglect issues every single day that I have to work through, and I cry a lot to myself. And I have to pray, like I go through uh, a lot of affirmations every single day. I say the mm-hmm. same thing so many, a lot of scriptures. I have to listen to motivational speeches. I have to read just to be, um, I don't want to say sane because I'm not going to like go insane or anything, but just to stay, I guess you afloat and I yep. just completely break down and just be in this depressed mode where you like if to give a picture like in a dark room in, in a corner, you know, rocking back and forth type of thing. Mm-hmm. I can totally, so a lot of people totally don't, relate. Don't know that. A lot of people don't know that because I get, I get a lot of people, or some, you know, sometimes people mad at you, and the truth comes out. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've got people that get mad at me or angry. Like, oh, you think you're perfect? Like, oh, wow. I, actually, I, I don't, I don't act that way. But maybe you think I do. But I've never. That's not even my personality. I'm very humble and very slow to anger and really quiet. So I'm sorry I gave that perception of me to you but no you know a lot of people think that or they think my life is perfect or they're like oh you must be rich and I'm like oh it's only you knew I'm up to work in three jobs three jobs you know no it's not what you think or I don't have one single sponsor if, if someone if it is a sponsor they're giving me free items and I post them for them or mm-hmm. you know there may be some free drinks but it's not like people think like oh, I'm getting this group of money from from companies I'm like no a lot of times I'll do things for free for people just because I know that when you bless others in return, you will be blessed. Not maybe the same way, but it could be a different area. So I'm like a big on giving or I give my last or help people when I need to really be helping myself. But I'm like, I know God got me whenever he does. So I kind Amen. of be like, you know, think like that. You know, I, I want to touch on three things that you mentioned. You know, I can totally relate when you speak about needing on a daily basis affirmations and 
motivational things and prayer. Those are some of my key things that I look to every single day to keep my head above water. And people have this image or perception because we, like you said, when you're, you're humble, so, you know, you're not online complaining about life all the time, like some people are, but you're putting out positivity, you're putting out inspiration. And it definitely right. takes a special kind of person to even do that because many people live in fear and shame. So they don't share the bad right. side of what they've experienced. They're not open to sharing their testimony uh, to help bless another person from it. So it takes a special kind of person to do that alone, but they don't understand the regular practices and things that we need to keep in place in order to stay and to be that way. Um, right. After, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And after like my a job, first, full time, <laughs> full time job. Yeah. <laughs> so after my first book had come out and I had women reaching out to me saying, oh, my goodness, you have been to hell and back. How are you able to still be so positive? And I basically started giving out the affirmations and prayers that I was using to stay positive. And that's what actually inspired the second book. It's 111 affirmations to help you heal. But it's mainly faith-based affirmations that I use on a daily to keep me in a positive mindset. I have to listen to positive motivational videos and podcasts and all people don't realize it's a practice it's a lifestyle yeah it is oh my goodness and then people looking at you and having this belief that your life is perfect and I can tell you I totally get you where it's probably family and friends that are closest to you that have that image and not even just strangers but I think the psychological term for it's called halo effect where they look at you like you have this halo over your head, like life is perfect. She has no troubles. Not understanding that there is not one person on this planet that doesn't go through struggles and have adversities. You have just learned to not only cope, but to push through those struggles. And that's why you're able to be who you are. Right. And then you also spoke to people having this perception of you being rich. And I think the misconception that the average person has, especially when they see people like us online that do brand partnerships or post things, they assume that you're getting hundreds of thousands of dollars for that brand partnership. Not no, knowing not that, at all. Exactly. And there's so many different levels to brand partnerships. Some is an exchange of value, whether it be you posting, and to them, that's an endorsement that they can use and they give you a free product. Or it could right, be right. a gift card or a discount on their site. Or sometimes it's not thousands of dollars. There are those opportunities, yes. And those are beautiful, but they're not always the case. So people assume right. that you have all this money and you're not sharing and you're being selfish and you're living the good right. life. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so yeah, I, feel that part. I feel you. <laughs> wow. You said it I all. feel you. I feel <laughs> you. So what inspires you most about what you do? This probably might sound cliche, but I guess God, because I don't know, I don't want to offend anybody because I'm not in that world to be offensive. And if I do, forgive me in advance. You know, you may have some people that are listening that don't believe in God. And I I totally understand because everybody has their own journeys. I believe in God and I am open about my beliefs. So anyone who is listening understands that that's where my foundation is. So speak your mind, girl. Right, right. So basically, I love my number one book is the scriptures, the King James Version Bible. I know there's so many different versions. I like to say closest to the original, the original Hebrew and Greek. And I know people have a lot to say about that, but I get it because we're all, like I said, on different journeys. But I, re- I love the stories and the scriptures. There's so many beautiful ones, and I really resonate with them and just the different journeys people are on. And I look at the patience God has, and I'm just like, you have so many souls that you are in charge of, and you could just totally wipe out this world with, I don't know, probably a blink, a mm-hmm. zap, whatever, and you don't. And there's so much wickedness, so much killing, so much just all kind of evil around us with the police situations, with the government, with, you know, just whatever. Mm-hmm. And children disappearing, and people of color, organs getting stolen. I'm just like, I time I stop and think, like, God, you have so much patience to just not just end this world, or you you keeping the promise that you didn't want, won't flood the earth again like you did in the times of Noah. So I'm like, okay, this is inspiration to really try to be patient with 
humans with people because mm-hmm. you know your last nerve. And people, <laughs> I deal with people you you know using me and and trying to defame me and my character, and it's like wow, okay. So it might sound cliche, but that's really what encourages me to just to keep going. And we don't have power, of course, to be born. We didn't or to die. So I'm like, okay, so here I am, but a vapor of smoke. And we, we never know when we're going to go. So I'm like, okay, let me just honor him because he's in control, basically giving me a new breath of life every single day. And I, I don't have to be here. Mm-hmm. And even there was times when I was younger, I used to, this is really, really bad. And I don't advise anyone to do this because you might just get what you're asking for. So be careful. But I used to pray to God to take me out. Wow. I used to pray to die because I was so depressed, so miserable. Like, I would literally pray, pray long prayers to him, like, please, you just take me. I want this to be my last day. Thankfully, I, I guess I graduated from that time in my life, but he didn't. Then I, I remember seeing, I don't know if you remember, when there was a show with Tyra Bates. She had her little uh, daytime talk show. And there was people in there, I'll never forget, that tried to kill themselves, all her guests. And they were wow. alive. So I'm like, really? You just don't have power. You can go ahead and try to kill yourself, and you're still going to be here, and you just might be here, and you're, all your legs are gone and arms because that that's what happened. Like, remember there was a lady who uh, laid on the train track, and she survived it, and she did wow. not live with no legs. And this one guy shot his brain hoping to die, but he just has a brain injury, but he's still fully functioning living. I'm like, see, what, when it's not wow. your time, it's just not it's your not time. Your no time. matter what you do to yourself... So I'm like, okay, God, I surrender. I honor you for what you are and who you, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm like, that's why I just look at him because like, wow, he has all the power. And scripture talks about all souls are his, either good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So that's why I'm just like, wow. Wow. Okay. So you spoke to a point where you were depressed and you prayed that God would just take you out. You've experienced living in your car and in shelters. Can you speak to the mental strength that it took for you to persevere and to keep fighting through that? Oh my gosh. Thinking back, I'm like, how did I do it? Because at one point I lived in my car for, I think it was either two or two and a half years. And this is coming from different transitions because of the abuse I was in with another relationship because I was in two of them back to back. And then I had to leave and then start all over because I was kind of like ignorant and gave up everything. And my children were in the car with me. And what hurt the most, oh, wow. what hurt the most was me reaching out to people and shelters and getting rejected. I tried because everybody's like, you don't have friends, you don't have family. I was like, obviously not. Let's start off with the shelters. I used to go to, like in Los Angeles, there's, there's a heavy homeless epidemic. It's very, very sad. Especially in the wintertime, which is when I was homeless. Oh, my goodness. Out in the freezing cold in the car. They're they're full. They're overpacked. I even tried to go to other cities hours away to the shelters, and I got denied because they said, you do not live here. I said, live here? I don't you live You don't anywhere. live any? Wow. So they would deny me. They're like, but what is your zip code? Where are you? Or they, and they were based off your last zip code. And you have to give some proof and, and like receipts or whatever kind of mail so they could you know, I guess they said to deal with people who are lying, just saying they live wherever, just so they can get in. And I'm like, but I don't live anywhere. I'm in this shelter with two children. Like, we're sorry, man, we're over full. And you don't even, you're not even in the city. You're in wow. Los Angeles. You can't come to Orange County. You can't come to Newport Beach. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I thought people would care more so because I have two babies. Yeah. I mean, they weren't babies, but I call them, you know, babies, my children. But no, that wasn't the case. They didn't care regardless of just me or me and children or me, children, husband. They didn't didn't really move them. Breaks my heart. Yeah, I I cried because I remember reaching out to my family and I remember crying out to them like, look, almost like, F, just go ahead and be, be like, F me. Okay, that's fine. But what about these children? My son is screaming in the middle of the night how cold he is. Can he just, can he spend the night with you? If you, you're too overwhelmed or don't want all these people in your house, which was would, would have been three of us, me and my two children, can they just spend the night? Oh no, you know I don't. I like my privacy, and wow. I'll get that. I'll get that. Oh no, I'm not at home. Okay, you don't trust me to be there. I don't steal. I don't go in your. No one stings. I'm not that kind of person. Oh no, I just I don't want that. And I'm just like, my God, what am I supposed to do? And then I went to another shelter, and they looked was looking at me kind of mean and I'm like um something wrong did I say something and like you look too nice you smell too good I don't believe you're homeless I'm like wow. what so am I supposed wow. to look homeless I, that's the point I don't want to look homeless and there's some people who have that they look homeless and they are homeless 
but I don't want I don't want to look like that. I don't want to smell. They're like, how do you smell this good? And you you're homeless. You live in your car. I said, well, I'm always going in restrooms and taking the so called bird baths. I got lots of white. Mm-hmm. You know. You know, stuff like that. And like, well, sorry, we, we don't believe it. I'm like, please come look at my car. Look at this, my, these suitcases full of clothes. I got, and I, I live out of, like, told them how I had a storage unit and I would go change my clothes and my children's clothes out every single weekend. And it was so stressful because it took hours and hours to deal, deal with that and pack clothes for the entire week and shoes and their, their school stuff. And sometimes I had interviews and I couldn't iron and sometimes I had just enough money for my bills and maybe to get a room for one night. And they are like, no, man, we don't, we don't believe you look too pretty and you smell too great. We're full, wow. you know, and I just was like, okay, God, every door is shut. So I heard it. I'm in the car. I remember another thing. I was on my cycle and I had to change my, this might be a little TMI, but just to keep it real, my pads mm-hmm. in the car, you know, when the children were sleeping. And I didn't want to keep moving the car because it was going to bring attention. So I had to stay in one place. It was late at night. And I was afraid of getting arrested or my children taken because that could be a crime. I'm not sure. I've heard it is now. But back then, I wasn't sure. So I was like, oh, man, I don't want my children taken. I don't want to go to jail because of being homeless and living in the car. Um, I didn't want to keep going back and forth in and out of bathrooms and different businesses that may have been 24 hours. Because I'm like, they're going to know. They may call on me. So I was living in a lot of fear. So I would have to deal with that like that. So mentally, how did you get out of that? I don't think I ever did get out of it, but I just kept crying out to God daily. Like I cried a lot. I would be real with him. Like, look, God, your word says weep and may endure for night. Like I would say his scriptures back to him. Mm-hmm. That's what I did to try to find some type of way. Cause I'm like, look, your, your scripture says you, you're close to the broken heart. I'm broken hearted. Where are you? Like talking to him, like just, uh, I'm talking, like how I'm talking to you basically. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing him move for me and I'm just like, wow, just slowly but surely different things was happening. Just random strangers would come up to me and give me some money. And I'm just like, oh man. This is God. So I would see little bits and pieces of God in people because I lost faith in people after what was going on in my life. Like, dang, is there anybody here? Like, oh, my goodness, where mm-hmm. are you? Did you forsake me? Did you leave? I know your scripture says sometimes you do forsake us, but it's only for a moment. Where are you? Can my moment be now? It says you're you're near to us and you, you know, so I'm just, I just like I would really repeat the scriptures over and over and over back out loud. And sometimes I would like scream and cry to God, like, help me. I need you. Like I have mm-hmm. no one else. I don't want to sit here and die of coldness in the car. Like I know it's kind of drastic, but that's how cold it would be. I had blankets. Some people were like, Oh, get blankets. I, got, I had all that. And I had to keep turning my car on and heaters and turn it off because I didn't want the engine to die. It was just a lot. Remember time someone came up to the car, tried to get in, like, you know, some people oh, try to man. break in. They, they didn't know I was in there because we're under covers. And I'm like, God, I'm looking like at the crack of the cover, like, oh, my gosh, God, please make They couldn't get in, so they left. And I, had, wow. I, I was so scared, and I had to drive somewhere else. I would try to park in nice, I guess you say, rich-looking neighborhoods where there wouldn't be a lot of activity, and it was lit up. So it was just it was a lot. And I, like I said, I don't think I ever really got out of that. I just, they say, transitioned through it. Mm-hmm. I was having a conversation with another female today about family and the lack of support <laughs> that seems to be family today. And right. she was speaking to a conversation she had with someone else from a white family and the visual of a perfect family that she saw there. And it made me think of on top of what you just said right now with when your family turned you away and when you asked if they can just take one child to help and their their excuse being about their privacy. When I was pregnant with my son, my last child, so I got married to my ex-husband when I was pregnant with my son. And between the two of us, we had seven children. And I had a family member who had lost their home and we had taken them in. It was three adults. And when I started having issues now, stress in my pregnancy because of the pressure and my husband is ex-husband who was taking care of all the bills and now took in three of my family members so that they wouldn't be homeless, I reached out to an immediate family member and said, can you just at least take one person so we don't have all of the weight on us? And her excuse was the same thing that you said about not wanting to lose her privacy. And I'm thinking, I'm asking you to take your mother or your sister. It just irritates my soul that you had to experience that. Family today... Not the same. It's not, not the, the same. same. It's when not. my grandmother was alive. Oh my gosh, she took people in. 
I remember um, when I first was married, because I got married very young, because, again, I remember the goal I had when I was seven. I got married at 18. I was a virgin and had a baby, my first baby two years later. So she was. She told us to. She told us when we first got married. I think a little bit after that. You know, move in with me. I was like, what? She said, yeah. I want. What I want you to do is, because I want you to get a good place for yourself since you're newly newlyweds. I want you to move in. I don't want you to pay me one penny. And I'm just looking at her like, huh? Is this real? Mm-hmm. And she said, I'm. Um, she said, I want you to give yourself a goal. I'm not telling you to get out. But around the three-month mark, I want to know how much you have saved and to see if that's enough time for you to transition on out because you guys are both getting new jobs and full-time. So that should be enough if I allow you to save every dime. Do not give me anything. Do not buy nothing in this place. Don't contribute because we got this. And I, and we were able to get our own place and everything because of that. Wow. But ne- but nowadays, fast forward, I've lived with someone, given them rent money, and then you get they get mad at you. Okay, get out right now. And I'm like, what? Because I've experienced that, too. I've had to live with That's why I don't really like to live with people because when they get mad at you, the first thing that is over your head is get out. Mm-hmm. I don't have anywhere to go. Oh, well, it's not my problem. Like kind of that attitude they give you, which I've experienced with other family. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. No, like the times have really changed. Like my grandmother, she allowed me and my husband at the time to move in with her because she wanted us to be better for ourselves and get our own place and, you know, experience a true, I guess, marriage and be okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I never forgot that. And I'm just like, wow, I don't see that. Even from other families, I hear horrible stories like that. Oh, I want my privacy. And they just, they don't care. And it's hard for other people to believe like, oh, come on. My mom would never, your mom would never, but my mom <laughs> does or my auntie mm-hmm. or cousin or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's very, very sad. And you can't force anybody to do anything or even feel entitled because nobody, they don't owe you anything. So I get it. But it's right. very sad when you don't even have family to turn to, not a single friend, nothing. And it's like, wow, well, I was there for you, but okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, you just got to pray for them. And I don't even know what to say at this point. Have you had any coaches or mentors that have helped you along the way with your training for the Olympics or in any other area? I Well, the coaches I have now are a blessing because they're not charging me because they, of course, got wind of my story and I'm a single mother of three and working all these jobs, but I should be paying a lot of money monthly for the training. And mm-hmm. they don't charge me a dime. And even after practices, they take us all out to eat and even some other athletes and pay the bill every single time. And I'm like, wow. And, it, mm-hmm. and it's not like just little restaurants are expensive. Mm-hmm. And even when my children have to come to me to training, they'll pay for them too to get a meal. And I don't want to feel that, you know, anybody's taking advantage of something like, oh, you guys pick out some, but you're going to split this. And like, oh, no. And I'm like, no, no, it's okay. They need to split this meal because it's already expensive enough for me. And then them too. And then you're paying for all these other athletes and coaches every single week like this. So, no, I don't want to feel I'm taking advantage. So, please let them split this meal and get some water. And they'll be good. <laughs> I, I love your humbleness and I love your graciousness. But they, for them, it's a write-off. It's a business expense. They write okay. that off. So, don't feel bad. Okay, okay. <laughs> So with everything that you are doing, I mean, you're training every day, you're taking care of your kids every day, you've got a lot on your shoulders. How do you take care of Lestar? What's your self-care routine? To be honest, the affirmations, that few moments, because it takes me about 20 minutes to go through all the affirmations I go through and the scriptures, then another 10 minutes for the videos, and then another, I guess you'd say 30 minutes for the reading. So I don't know, maybe it's like an hour altogether. And that moment, because it's not always necessarily all at once, because I don't because of the time frames, because I, like, mm-hmm. I'll work overnight and I'll try to, you know, do this every day at midnight because according to, I guess, the Gregorian calendar, midnight is a new day when technically it's kind of when the sun goes down because, you know, but we're not going to get into that. But anyways, <laughs> uh, so I, that in those moments is when I, I take my time because that's like all I have. And then sometimes when I do training with certain people, they don't know this is my way of escape. I'm escaping brokenness. And like I said, abandonment, neglect feelings and all this hurt in this moment because you guys are bringing joy to the atmosphere for me. And I've explained that to some people, like I just kind of revealed that to someone today. And I'm just like, oh, you don't understand. I'm blessed to just be in your presence because you're, you know, amazing person to the world that the world knows. And I'm like, you have no clue how these workouts are touching my soul mm-hmm. just to do these group workouts. You know, it's like a lot of people don't get it. They're like, oh, is this a workout, whatever. Like for me, it is a way of escape. You have no clue. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we don't understand that the small things can mean the world to somebody. Yes. 
So totally off topic. I came across this article on Reader's Digest that said that whatever your favorite type of shoe is says a lot about your personality. So I like to ask the guests that come on the show because it has been accurate thus far. So hopefully it stays that way. But I want to ask you, Lestar, like, what is your favorite type of shoe? Is it a running shoe, a stiletto, a flat, a flip-flop, a boot? My favorite shoe is the Jordan shoe, uh, like like basketball-type shoes. But I don't really – I mean, I play basketball. Like, I know you've probably seen some videos. I'm shooting around. I'm a really good shooter, but I'm not, like, on a basketball team or anything. It's the basketball. Yeah. Sneaker buffs get along with everyone. You're someone who relates – Sometimes you're an old soul and sometimes you're the life of the party. Sneaker buffs, age truly is but a number because you get along with everyone. A sneaker is very versatile, a very open person willing to explore a lot of options and different ideas. They're energetic and ageless. They're really not young or old and they seem to move fluidly through age-specific groups. Oh, that's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Does that sound like you? (laughs) Yeah, no, because a lot of times, like, I'm a mother of three, right? When they look at me, first of all, no one thinks I have a, one child. And then I get between the ages of 16 and 20, like 24. Uh, people always get my age wrong. It's hilarious. So it's crazy <laughs> how you're saying that. And I do get along with everybody, mostly on my end. <laughs> I love it. I and love it. I'm very... And like when I went to like, I don't really go, I don't party. But when I went to like, a, I used to say a house party, whatever, or whatever event, people are like, oh my gosh, you're the life of the party. You're over there dancing. You don't care. <laughs> like so nobody's looking. You're doing like a whole battle like you're doing Michael Jackson. Like what? You know, so it's, that's funny. You just said that. That's crazy. Love it. So before I go to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell people where they can stay connected with you online. Okay. Um, All I have is Instagram because I did expunge basically my Facebook because of the past that was connected to that and the abuse mm-hmm. the, or the man I was abused from being on there and having access to me. So I just have uh, my Instagram. Go ahead. So it's basically Lestar, L-A-S as in Sam, T-A-R-R, then the word Olympic. Right after that, there's no spaces altogether. O-L-Y-M-P-I-C and then girl. So it's G-U-R-L, not girl like with the I. So it's L-A-S-T-A-R-R O-L-Y-M-P-I-C-G-U-R-L. Perfect. my Instagram handle. In the details section of your episode, I will have the direct link to your Instagram so they can just click and follow you directly. They won't have to search far. Okay, cool. Wow, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So the final part of the show, I call it a walk in her wisdom. And I just ask a couple of reflection questions and you say the first thing that comes to mind. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere, with anything on it, what would it say and why? Brokenness is sometimes needed. And the reason why is because brokenness brings, for, well, for me, because I can't speak for everyone, but for me, to the most humble state you can possibly be in, almost like in the state of when you're first born and you're just helpless. Mm-hmm. And you just, you have nowhere to turn, nobody to talk to. And all you could do is, if you get on your knees or whatever, for me, and just, cry out and pray and surrender like it and then it just and then after so long that so the hurt kind of you know subsides and goes away and you just kind of feel on top of the world and you get a new set of encouragement or you get someone who just I don't know, say a word to you like wow I really need that and this all this stuff starts happening and it seems like every time I'm in that state then it, that's it, that's what happens to me and I'm like dang I needed to be there so I can get here to appreciate this Mm-hmm. But if I wasn't there, I wouldn't even appreciate none of this. So I wouldn't know how to help the next person because it's almost like you go through things to help the next. I agree. I agree. Some of the things that I've been through, I'm like, why God? Why? And then I have to ask myself, okay, why am I going through this? <laughs> Who can I help from this? What am I supposed to learn? What am I right. supposed to do with this wisdom? Yeah, I feel you. Name one of the most worthwhile investments you've ever made. And that could be money, time, energy. I guess it has to do connect with money and helping others because um, I get a joy out of blessing people through, like, surprises. Like, let's say you're going through something. Like, I had someone whose car was getting a repo. It was, like, $600 to get it out, to, I guess, that place. And I just happened to have it in the bank, just in my savings, that exact amount. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't need this. I've been having it saved here for, what, a year now, not touching it. And I said, I know God got me, and I blessed the person and I said please don't pay me back because I know you don't even have it so mm-hmm. just here 
take it and I hope you do right with it and, you know, get your car because you have several children and you need it. Can't be walking and on the bus with all these children. You need that. And it just like, oh, my gosh, I've been praying. I asked God for a miracle and here you came. And I'm like, well, all glory to God because I had mm-hmm. no idea. Yeah, he I used you to found bust out and Right. So that so when those things, situations happen, I just, it, it touches my soul. I usually cry about it and just, I'm so thankful. I, like I said, I don't look for anything in return. And I've had several of those instances where I, I do that, even sometimes to complete strangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm a strong believer in helping people that could never repay me. So, you know, I, right. I love to do the types of things where I go and give out care packages to the homeless or, you know, go to yeah. shelters and speak to people and give them things. That stuff brings me joy. That makes me feel fulfilled. Yep. That, that's beautiful. I love it. What new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life in the last five years? Probably forgiveness. Mm. And realizing that it's nothing I can do to the person that hurt me or did wrong or used me because I'm not going to, I'm not a killer or I don't get revenge like that. Like some people have, unfortunately, and go kill the person or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. beat them up. I'm, I don't fight. I'm not that kind of soul. So I just like, I got to let it go because I'm over here in pain and anger and hurt because they did this to me. So what, what is this going to do? But keep making me sad or depressed or whatever. Right. And it's nothing good behind any of those emotions because it's like a, a ripple effect of what happens next. So let it go and let their, they're going to get their stuff repaid eventually with, you know, some people call it karma. Other people, you know, you reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. So they will get theirs. And I just hope in that time they remember what they've done to others, that harm, that same type of harm or hurt or usury or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I just like, I have to forgive and just let it go. So the forgiveness connecting to letting things go. Yes, it still hurts, and I cry over some of the, the situations, but at least I'm not hoping, like, oh, please, just something happened to them because they deserve it. And I'm just like, no, they're going to get it in their time. Mm-hmm. And all right. So basically that, forgiveness and money go. Wow. Last but not least, what impact do you want to have on the world? The impact on the world I would like to have is that I did not give up. And... And especially to the single mothers, oh my gosh, I think single mothers are like superheroes because what we go through <laughs> is so crazy, the, mm-hmm. the, especially if you don't have help and support or, mm-hmm. or someone you can turn to or like, oh, can you watch my children? Like a lot of times I have to take my children with me to go work out and people don't know that. I've had so much backlash. Oh, you train this seven days a week? You probably, where's the children? You're neglecting them. You're not a mm-hmm. mother. I'm like... You don't know. They're, they're right here with me. My children right. are the coaches. Let them come on the ice with me. And then the baby is with his dad on the weekend. So that's perfect. So I got my two children with me and boom. I'm like, right. well, they have to sit there with me or they were, or sometimes I can't make it out and I'm working out at home and they're working out with me. You just, you don't know that, but you're sitting here accusing me of being this type of parent. And you have no idea that they're mostly with me all the mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. or even sitting at me at my job. Cause I don't have someone to watch them. But yeah, just the fact just that not to give up, um, even in spite of being single, a single parent, because there's some single fathers out there and um, you don't have to turn to substances because I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some people, you know, get lost in drinking or maybe even in sex, um, uh, trying to fulfill something, that emptiness um, and just take a minute just to, to be alone and just. Breathe. Mm-hmm. Breathing is everything, even in, in sport. Like a lot of times you're tired, you know, that last rep and that breath, like that, it would, you know, help you make it through. That, you know, troubles, they don't last always. I know that's another cliche, but it doesn't. And a lot of times, a lot of bad things do happen to people, but also good. And we're not really given the opportunity to pick the life we want necessarily, but we can change things and react to certain things differently. And we have those options to do that. To go for go for your dreams no matter what. Because like I said, I have a big goal. I want to be the first African-American, Black, Hebrew, whatever people want to label me as to do this. Because in the history of the Winter Olympic Games, for that my sport, for short track, there, we don't have not one medal. We have nothing as, wow. a, as, as far as the Black person. So I'm like, okay, I want to go for it all. I want the gold medal. I want to get the world record. Let's do this. Because I haven't seen that and it's never been done. So I'm like... If this person can get world records in this sport, they can do it. They're the first. And, you know, they live this life. Why can't I? 
And like, I just got to keep pushing. And I really believe I will. I don't really care if no one believes me, think I'm crazy. I get called crazy all the time, actually, behind this. But for believing like, in yourself? Just, yeah, whoever calls yeah, you crazy this, is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for this dream, because it's huge. Like, who? almost like, who are you? You just started a year ago. Okay, and Exactly. You know? I just want to speak to that quickly. I really hope that you never listen to those kind of comments and those voices because those people are not necessarily even speaking to whether or not they believe in your potential, but they don't believe it's possible because they can't do it. Right. So that vision has been given to you because you are the one that is meant to carry that out. I thank you for not giving up. And I thank you for setting an example because I too am a single mother of three. So I thank you for continuing to inspire women like myself. And I thank you for just being who you are, being so gracious. And I will continue to watch because you are going to win in that 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing. I receive it. Hallelujah. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for speaking into my life. Oh, man. Cause it's, it's, a, it's a lot, a lot of, a lot of work. People have no idea. And then my journey is so different than the most average speed skater because they got sponsors or they live in Utah. And I'm like, uh, nope, I have three children. I used to be married. Now I'm divorced. So doing a lot of this on my own. And I got to do what I can when I can kind of thing. Just stay humble along the way. Again, I thank you. I thank you so much, Lestar, for taking the time to join us and before I get emotional, I'm going to end the show. <laughs> Dude, I already cried <laughs> a few times. I so appreciate you. I appreciate your humbleness. I appreciate your transparency and the authentic way in which you shared with us today. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for having me. It's, it's, a, it's a blessing to be here and be able to do this. So thank you as well. And I pray and that your ministry, which this is what you're doing in ministry, I'm sure you know that, or mm-hmm. I hope you do if you didn't know, but in <laughs> children, just blessings a hundredfold and everything, and just to be, go exactly where you want to go in life as well, and for you to stay encouraged, and may bless, you know, your future, your children, your line of work, and your ministry, and everything that you touch as well. Amen. I receive it. I receive it. And to all you faith walkers out there, until next time, subscribe to our newsletter at awalkinmystilettos.com and grab a copy of one of my personal development books available online everywhere. And if you've received value from Lestar's testimony, please share it with a friend. Share it where the friend needs to hear this episode. Be sure to screenshot this week's episode and tag us on Instagram. I'm at the real McKinney Smith and Lestar Olympic Girl. Continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling. Amen. Thank you.